Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and I am so glad to be sharing this scripture with you today. Friends, it is among my favorites of all of the Bible. It's Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Do you believe that in your own life? You know, I find so often I can believe God for other people, but sometimes it's hard to believe for myself and my family. Well, God wants you to know that he is able to do far abundantly, exceedingly above all that we can ask or think. Today, friends, we're going to break down each phrase of this beautiful scripture out of Ephesians 3.20 in today's sermon called More Than Able. I trust it's going to build your faith. Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us. What glorious words these are. According to him. We're going to break down every phrase of this this morning, and I pray that you walk out of this building mightily encouraged about the God who loves you and the God you love. I have a target this morning. I have a very narrow, a very defined target audience this morning that I am preaching to. That God has given me some extremely clear words to say to you. My aim is to build your faith up today. My aim is to change your perspective today. The ones that I am targeting, the ones that I am speaking to are, you may want to write this down, small-minded Christians who pray small prayers to a small God. This is what is wrong in today's church. We don't view God the way he wants us to see him. We have allowed our emotions to shape our perspective of God. We have allowed our circumstances and situations in our life to view, to shape our view of the Almighty. We've allowed life's hurts. We've allowed life's disappointments to shape our view of God. And as a result, we find in today's churches Even though we may have a crowd of people within the church, what we find are anemic Christians praying anemic prayers. Is that you today? Are you someone that you pray very small prayers to an even smaller God? 
Well, friends, that's not the God of the Bible. Amen. The God of the Bible, the God that I need Scripture to shape my perception of, the God that I need Scripture to give me the right view of, he is able to do far more exceedingly and abundantly above all that I can ask or think. Amen. There's no room there for small praying. There's no room for small thinking when it comes to a God like that. So my question is simple today. Are you, am I, is today's church belittling God with our small faith? Can we say amen today? I want to take inventory of our thoughts today. The holidays are right around the corner. And this is a time that busyness is going to take over our lives. And for many of us, wrong and negative thoughts are going to fill our minds. You know, researchers tell us that the average person has Thousands of conversations with ourselves every day. Do you talk to yourself? You can let some of your crazy out. It's okay. It's all right. I've seen worse. Do you talk to yourself? And what so many of us do. Say amen if you're with me right now. What so many of us do is we choose the wrong soundtracks that replay over and over and over. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never be successful. You'll never make anybody happy. You'll never stay in a relationship. You'll mess your kids up. We play these soundtracks over and over and over. You know what the scriptures tell us to do? It tells us to meditate. Now, what's meditating? Hmm. No, that's not meditating. <laughs> meditating is when you dwell on something. It's when you go over and over and over and over something. And what the scriptures tell us is that we ought to meditate. It tells us we ought to dwell on the promises of God. Amen. But what we do is we dwell on the problems of our life. We dwell on the failures of our past. Am I preaching to anybody today? And let me tell you who jumps all over that, your adversary, the devil. And he'll help you replay those things over and over and over. And what you and I have to do is we have to make a choice. 
Am I going to dwell on the negative or am I going to dwell on the promises of God? What am I going to dwell on? And for those of you that you would choose to dwell on the promises of God, let me tell you a great place to start. You ready? You ready to change some of your stinking thinking? You ready to change that negativity out of your thought life? Amen. Here we go. Now unto him who is able. Oh, now unto him who is able. I want you to know, my friends, when you and I pray, you and I are not talking to a mere mortal. We're not talking to someone who is limited. We're not talking to someone who is restrained. We're not talking to someone who really wants to help you but doesn't have the power to help you. And you're not talking to someone who has the ability to help you but is not willing to help you. You're not talking to a man. You're talking to God Almighty. And that's why Satan doesn't want you talking to him, let alone listening to him. That's why he'd rather you dwell on that negative. He'd rather you dwell on that past hurt. He'd rather you dwell on that betrayal. He would rather you dwell on that divorce. He'd rather you dwell on that stabbing of the back rather than to go forward in faith and trust God for his promises in your life. That's where Satan wants you to live. He wants you stuck. He wants you isolated. He wants you discouraged. He wants you beat down. He wants you anemic. And that's where he has many of us today. But who I want to preach to today are those who would rise up out of that and say, I am going to lay hold of the promises of God in my life. God's not a man that he should lie. God's ear is not too short and his arm is not too short that he can't reach and help my life. His eye is open to the righteous. His ear is open to my cry and he's ready to help me. Amen. For the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into him and are safe. Now unto him. This is a doxology. Do you know what a doxology is? A doxology is an, it is an expression. It is an overflow of praise. You cannot live in an overflow of praise when you're embracing the negative. You can't do that. You cannot live in an overflow of praise when you allow fear to hang around you. Too many of us, we accept these things far too easily. You know, Martin Luther, that great reformer, that great Protestant reformer, he said sin and temptation and things like that. He said, listen... Birds can fly around my head, but I don't have to let them build a nest. I can shoo them away. And let me tell you, fear will fly around you. Anxiety will fly around you. Depression will fly around you. Discouragement will try to attach to you. But let me tell you, you don't have to let it build a nest in you. Amen? You can say, go in Jesus' name. I reject you in Jesus' name. You know what worry is? Worry is faith 
in reverse. Don't allow it. Don't give room to it. Don't embrace it. Don't give it place in your heart or in your mind or in your life. Reject those things in Jesus' name. And what do you do? You say, listen, I'm not finding strength in myself. I'm not finding help in myself. I'm not finding strength and help from other people. Because how many of you know other people will let you down? Do you know why it is okay when other people let you down? Do you know why it is okay when other people disappoint you? Do you know why it's okay? Because they were never meant to be your source. Now, say amen if you're with me right now, because I'm about to give you something that's going to help you. Some of you are so stuck spiritually because you've never gotten your eyes off of other people. They were never supposed to be your source. It's now unto him. And when you make God your source, other people are not going to bother you so much. Amen. Oh, they'll let you down, but you'll just go, oh, well. Well, that was disappointing, but it's now unto him. People will walk out of your life, and you'll be able to say, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Now unto him. People will lie on you, but you can turn a deaf ear and a blind eye and say, no, now unto him. Amen? In other words, are you living with a laser focus on Jesus and not on others and certainly not on yourself? Amen? Now unto him. What a doxology. What an expression of an overflow of Praise. And let me tell you what I want overflowing out of me. Not negativity, not wrong thoughts, not harmful thoughts, not, not discouraging thoughts. No, you know what I want flowing out of me? Praise and gratitude. For some of you, this can be the best Thanksgiving you've ever experienced. When you Say, now unto him. So take inventory of your thoughts. Take inventory of your thoughts. The Lord teaches us, take every thought, what? Captive. Captive. You do war over your thoughts. And let me tell you, when harmful thoughts come, you arrest it in Jesus' name. And say no farther. For some, if suicidal thoughts come, you arrest it in Jesus' name and you say no farther. When lustful thoughts come, you arrest them in Jesus' name. When angry thoughts arise, you arrest it in Jesus' name. When jealous thoughts come, you arrest it and say, I give you no place. You know what you're doing? You're shooing them away in Jesus' name. Now unto him. Then look what he says. Who is Abel? That's one of my favorite words in the Bible. 
God is able. Friends, I'm talking about the abilities of God. I'm talking about the capacity of God. When you understand that God is limitless, it will change the way that you pray. I do not want to offend God with small praying. I don't want to offend God with small thinking. I want to say, oh no, God, I know you're able. Able means the absence of obstacles. Oh, get that in your heart today. The absence of obstacles. An inherent strength is what it means. It means the necessary abilities, the necessary skills, the necessary resources to help someone with. And let me tell you, God is limitless in every single one of them. Amen? Could you imagine if God wanted to help you, but he couldn't? Could you imagine that? Then why do we pray like that? Could you imagine if God could help you, but wouldn't? But many of us pray like that. No, I want to change my perspective today. I want Scripture to take my sinful, my limited view of God And I want scripture to correct it. Now unto him who is able. What is God able to do? Oh, let me tell you, scripture tells us many things. Doesn't scripture tell us in Hebrews that he is able to save to the uttermost? See, oh, oh, say amen if you're with me right now. Can I help you right now? Some of you right now, you, you, are, you are praying to the very best of your ability for these prodigals. But let me tell you what God so often corrects me in, in my praying. There are some times that I will really begin to pray. Oh, I'll pray with all my heart and I'll pray with all my affections. I'll pray with all of my might. And you know what I'll feel the Holy Spirit do? I'll feel him say, whoa, Chad, quit. Have you ever had God stop you from praying? The Holy Spirit will halt me. And I can feel it in my heart. I can feel it in my spirit that the Lord will say, Whoa, Chad, quit. Stop. Whoa, hold on. No, 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 no. The Lord will say, You're praying with panic. You're not praying with faith. You're praying You're praying in unbelief, not with confidence. Change your tone. Do do, do you see what I'm saying right now? So what, what I want to do is I want to take these prodigals, and rather than trying to twist God's arm until he says, Uncle... Rather than begging and pleading, and uh, no, I want to come to God with boldness and with confidence. And I want to say, God, you're able to save to the uttermost. I let the matter rest with you in Jesus' name.
You're able. Some of you right now, you're in, a, you're in a spot in life where you just can't make ends meet. And let me tell you, precious friend, I know I've been, I have been right there. You know, there was a season of my life. I was single. I had not yet met Sadie. I was trying to pastor this church. I was running a Christian bookstore on Netherlanden Road. And then I had an apartment where I lived. And I had three lease payments with three insurance premiums, with three electric bills, with three water bills, and on and on and on. And there was a season. I've had many seasons like this. But this particular one, I felt like I was drowning. The church was struggling mightily. A packed Sunday would have been 50 people. My little bookstore that I was doing the best I could, my little apartment where I was doing the best I could, and I had to go to all three owners of those properties, and I had to tell them my situation, and I had to say, You will get paid. I just don't think I can pay all three in one month. (laughs) I will will manage the best I can. And I would rob Peter to pay Paul. And and I'm telling you, months that my head was above water, it was like that. And this one particular season, I could feel myself going under. And we just were not making it. And I turned to the Lord and I said, God, I know I'm failing. You're not failing because you don't fail, but I'm failing. It's not your fault because you're all sufficient. It's me, God. I show me the adjustments that I need to make because I'm not making it. And here's what the Lord told me to do. The Lord took me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Oh, no, excuse me, God, I need money. I need income to abound toward me. No, you don't, Chad. You need faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. You need to be rich in faith. God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that, oh, see, here's the money part. So that having all sufficiency, oh, I need that, Lord Jesus. I need, I need all three water bills paid, Lord. I need all three leases paid in the, in the same month, Lord Jesus. And I'm not kidding. I need all three power bills done, taken care of God in the same month. I need that, Lord. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. 
God, you see the season I'm in. You see the mess I'm in. You see that I can't make ends meet, God. Oh, but I've got sufficiency for all things at all times. Why? Why? So that you may abound in every good work. And you know what the Lord told me to do? Say amen if you're with me right now. The Lord told me to print those scriptures out, and this is what he told me to do. He said, take the church offering log where we record everyone's contribution. And the Lord said, put it, on the, put it in the front page of the church offering log. Stand on that scripture. The Lord said, take the church checkbook and fold it up and put it inside the checkbook. Every check we write, we have all sufficiency for all things at all times. Amen? The Lord said, take your cash register at your bookstore and put it underneath the cash register. All sufficiency in all things at all times. And the Lord taught me, God is able. And you know, we never missed a beat. And look where we are today. Amen. We're about to move on up to the east side. Amen. And God wants to do the same for you. He's no respecter of persons. But the question is, how do you view him? Is he weak to you? Is he unavailable to you? Is he uninterested to you? Is he unwilling? Is that your view? Is he unable? Is that your view? No. Now unto him who is able. To do. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite one. You, you with me this morning? Yes. To do. Now, this is important. You know why? Because there are many times that what God does, he does in a very slow process. And therefore, it appears that God is not doing anything. Some of you are praying the same prayers over and over and over, and it doesn't appear to the naked eye like God has lifted a finger and God hasn't moved the needle an inch. But we don't look at outside circumstances. We walk by faith, not by sight. And the Scripture says God is a God of action, and God is working. Amen? Can I tell you a quick little story? So as you know, last September, we found the property on Fort Henry Drive. Somebody give me a time check. What, what kind of time do I got? Okay, I'm okay. I'm all right. You know, the good news having a blind pastor, you can get up and leave and I'll never know it. You won't offend me one inch. <clears throat> we found that property. That property, no structure, just that beautiful land. It appraised for $2.2 million is the appraisal. We began negotiating with the bank. <clears throat> clearly, we did not see eye to eye. 
I told you I was going to make a good announcement today. This is a good place to do it. There are times that God works in processes. And then there are other times that God does a sudden work. There are other times that God does something suddenly. The church prayed for Peter in Acts chapter 12. God dispatched an angel and released him suddenly. Amen. So there are times that God moves slowly because there are many things God wants to do in the process. Then there are other times he moves swiftly. We looked at that property and no way, humanly speaking, that we could afford it. The bank, we got down to roughly $1 million in our negotiations. The bank said, here's what we are willing to do. We will give your church a one-time donation of $25,000. Friends, have you ever heard of a bank giving a church money? I have not. The Lord spoke to our leadership clearly. Our trustees, our elders, our finance team, we all felt, deacons, we all felt as leadership, God told us 700,000 is the ceiling. Don't offer a penny above it. Don't go above it, 700,000. Now, friends, we're talking 700000 on 2.2 million appraisals. That math doesn't make sense. But God's math never makes sense. Amen? Amen. I called and told the bank, I said, this is where our leadership is. We will not go above 700000 It is our ceiling. Now, remember, there's national companies going after this land. There's a developer out of Knoxville going after the land. There's a condominium developer going after the land. There is competition for this land. I tell the bank, we will not go above 700000 And they said, then Chad, if we can't make a deal, then the bank has to walk away. And I wanted to cry uncle so bad. I was so scared. But the scripture says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. Amen? So I let it go. And I said, God, if that's your soil, if that's kingdom soil, then do the work. And if not, I'll trust our leaders and we will just let it go. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Two days went by with absolute silence. And then the bank calls. And they said, We would like to come see you at your church for a meeting. Sure. A few of our leaders gathered. We met right over here in the conference room. The bank walks in. Very little pleasantries. No nonsense. Sits down on November 17th last year. Isn't that right out of year this weekend? And they say, here's the thing. We're going to accept your offer of $700,000. We told you we would do the donation. We're still going to do the $25,000 donation. Friends, we got a $2.2 million piece of property for $675,000. Amen. And right now, 
We owe just a little over $500,000 on that property. And I'm telling you, God's going to pay every penny of it. And he's going to pay it off. Amen. And let me tell you the word that God has given me for 2024. And it has to do with the property. It has to do with the debt elimination. It has to do with the future building that's going to stand on that kingdom soil. But let me tell you, it's got a lot deeper to do. It's got to do with you, and it's got to do with your marriage. It's got to do with your prayer life. It has to do with your faith. And the word that God has given me for next year is accelerate. God is going to accelerate things in his kingdom, amen? He's going to accelerate. I'm telling you, things that have been long jammed are going to break through. Amen. Prayers that have been blocked are going to be breakthrough. Amen. God is going to accelerate things. Why? Because we're praying to a God who is able to do action, ability, capacity. He's not a mere mortal. He's God Almighty. And he's working whether we see it or not. So let me tell you what God showed me. We buy that land. February 28th, signed, sealed, and delivered. And all the paperwork's done. And it's ours. And we acquired it by faith. And then Satan comes along. Oh, he's got a way of doing that, doesn't he? And Satan goes, hey, man of faith. Hey, Pastor Chad. People have prayed way more and way harder for the healing of your eyes than they did that lamb. So why would God work like that to give you a piece of land but the same God won't open your eyes why would God answer prayer lightning fast and hear your years in darkness same level of faith Same people praying. Why does one work, but the other fails? He ever told you stuff like that? Let me tell you what God did. Now, I'll be honest with you. That sunk in. I had to wrestle with that. I had to say, God, why do you move so fast here, but not here? Why do you say yes, but then say wait? Why, why is something lightning fast and the other as slow as it can be? God, you need to reconcile this for me. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. <laughs> and you want know the Lord taught me, precious people? The Lord said, all you're looking at, Chad, is time. I'm interested in timing. The timing was right for the land. The timing is not right for your eyes. The Lord said, your church could have found that property 10 years ago. And you could have commenced to praying 10 years ago. You could have been praying with all your might for the last five years. And nothing would have changed and nothing would have broke through until the right timing. 
The Lord said, what happened is you found it right at the right timing. That's why it moved so swiftly. So don't get discouraged. Your eyes are right on schedule. Amen. So we, we have to be careful because there are some things that God is going to do suddenly. But don't think that God's flippant. Don't think that God is emotional. Don't think he was just like, oh, you know what? She fasted a little bit. I feel so sorry for her. Okay, I'll answer her prayers. God don't work like that. Oh, boy, he's really digging into the word. I better say yes. God doesn't work that way. There are some things that God's going to answer in an accelerated way, but they've been a long time coming. Then there's other things he's going to take his time. Either way, we walk by faith and not by sight. Our danger is we can't be no Amazon Prime Christian where we pray and we expect it by the next day. God don't do that. He's not Jeff Bezos. Now unto him who is able to do far more exceedingly, abundantly, above what we can ask or think. Let me tell you one more thing and then I'll, I'll begin to close, close up. Some years ago, the legendary golfer, Arnold Palmer, was golfing in the Middle East with the royalty of Saudi Arabia. Well, they struck up a friendship on the golf course. And he was so impressed with Arnold Palmer, he wanted to do something for him. And he told Arnold, he said, I would like to give you a gift. Well, Arnold said, it's okay. I'm quite comfortable in life. I don't really need anything. And the king said, no, no, really, truly, I want to give you a gift. What may I give you? Palmer thought for a moment, and he said, well, it would be cool to receive a golf club from Saudi Arabian royalty and he started thinking, what would a golf club look like? Would it be, would the handle be laden in gold? Would it have diamonds on it? You know what? Could you imagine what a golf club would look like from a Saudi prince from the kingdom? And he said, I'd like to have a golf club. He said, okay, consider it done. So Palmer waits for his golf club to come and he's imagining in his mind how decorative it would be, how nice it would be. And when the delivery man comes, he hands him an envelope. Well, how can a golf club fit in an envelope? He opens it eagerly thinking, what is it? You know what it is. It's the deed to an actual golf resort, a golf club. But, you know, there's a lesson in that for the way that we pray. We ask for so little. And God wants to do far more abundantly above what we can even 
ask, while we can even articulate what we can think, what even our imaginations can comprehend, and yet God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly above more than that. But here we are, small-minded, small praying to a small God Christian. Oh, how it must offend the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think? See, I want God even in my thinking. Oh, I tell you, church, truly, every day, every morning of my life, I'll ask the Lord, Lord, help me to think like you. Lord, am I thinking right? God, shape my thoughts. God, give me your thinking. God, what do you think about this? Share with me your thoughts, God. I want to think like God. Nothing grows in ice. Nothing. And that's why Satan loves frozen Christians, cold Christians with frozen thinking and frozen prayers because nothing grows out of it. I want God in my thinking. I want him in my asking. And then lastly today, he says, according to the power at work in us. You know, that word power is dunamis in the Greek. It's where we get our English word dynamite. An explosion of faith. Oh, that's what I want in me. I don't ask God for money anymore. I ask him for faith. Money will do a few things down here, but faith is the currency of heaven. I need faith. And as that power is at work within us, oh, what God can do in us and through us. Let's bow our heads today. Where is your faith at the moment? Is it growing or is it in decline? Because I tell you where it's not, it's not stagnant. It's either growing or it's in decline, one or the other. Where is your faith? Why don't you ask God right now, increase my faith. You remember, what he, you remember what Jesus told Peter? He told Peter, I'm praying for you. He didn't say, Peter, so that you not fail. You know what he said? So that your faith doesn't fail. Oh, people of God, I'm telling you today, Satan's after your faith. That's what he wants to rob. That's what he wants to steal. That's what he wants to discourage. That anxiety is not about you. It's about your faith. That loneliness is not about you. It's about your faith. That depression, it's about your faith. Satan wants it. That worry that consumes you, that worry that strangles you, that worry that keeps you up at night, it's about your faith. 
Satan is as a roaring lion prowling about, seeking whom he may devour because he wants your faith. And Jesus said, don't let your faith fail. That soundtrack of regrets, that soundtrack of I'll never be good enough, it's about your faith today. And I'm telling you, people of God, he wants to work in your faith. And God wants to increase your faith. And nothing does it more than the word of God. That's the only place you're going to get faith. The only place. You're not going to give it in positive thinking. You're going to get it in God's word. So dig in. Take Ephesians 3.20 and memorize it this week. Quote it to yourself. Preach it to yourself. Put it in your checkbook. Drop it in your purse. Put it in your wallet. Put it in your business. Put it in your pillow. Stick it on your mirror. Put it on the dashboard. Put it on the fridge. Put it where it will get in your spirit. Because I'm telling you, you're not going to go under. God's word's going to take you over. But it's got to be the word. Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more? I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. Awakentograce.com slash store.